Welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Samuel Timothy. And I'm Taylor Rowe. Today, we did our annual marketing predictions for next year. So over the last two or three years, we've been doing this um, podcast. As we approach you know, the end of the year, it's, it's always fun to take a look back and a year in review in terms of marketing. What happened, right? It's Digital marketing is such a fast-paced uh, world, especially the agency world. It's not often that we get to, to reflect back on what happened over the last year and, and kind of look at some fun predictions for next year. So uh, we each came up with a, a few predictions for next year uh, in terms of marketing 2022. Uh, and we took a look back at some of our predictions from 2021 to see what came true. So please give us a like, give us a subscribe on the, on the podcast here and uh, enjoy the episode. So Taylor, I know for the past few years we've been uh, doing uh, toward the end of the year, we kind of do more of a, a marketing a prediction of what to expect in the upcoming year. Um, so for this episode, we certainly want to do something very similar, kind of review what we've done in terms of prediction when we were back in 2020, what to expect in 2021, and um, kind of review a little bit of that. And then actually also do some prediction of what to expect in 2022, as we're all planning a new year, uh, new initiatives in terms of marketing and sales efforts. So that's what we want to do today. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, this is one of my favorite podcasts that we've done it, although we've only done it, I guess, for three years now. So three times, but it starts to get you, you know, gives you the ability to think outside the box and kind of step back and look at, you know, how far we've come. Sometimes we get so far into the, uh, into the weeds of the day-to-day grind. You look back and say, you know, 18, 24, you know, months ago, 36 months, you know, three years or four years, whatever it may be like, Hey, we wouldn't have done this this way or that way. And to try to think and try to guess and be ahead of the curve on some of these uh, marketing initiatives is, is pretty cool. So, um, what I want to do is take a look back at some of our predictions from last year. We made uh, essentially 10, 10 predictions. Um, I think some of them are maybe a little bit difficult to, quantify whether or not they they came true or not but i did look at uh, a few of them and looked up some stats to kind of you know see whether or not we were right or, or wrong here so one of the predictions uh, that we made last year um, which was a little bit easy prediction based on the state of the world at the time but um said that there was going to be less spend in marketing on on events on in-person events there certainly was a decrease in spend on in-person events but uh, to my surprise, a little bit, if I think back to my mindset at the time when we made this prediction, um, I didn't think there was going to be as big of a focus on virtual events. In in my mind, I thought, uh, you know, Zoom essentially or, you know, was really the only way to, to go about it. And I figured, you know, Zoom fatigue, people would get, you know, basically frustrated and not not want to do these virtual meetings because we're in virtual meetings all day. But I think a lot of innovation has come out of, um, you know, the pandemic. We work with even some clients ourselves that have made some really, really cool online, um, you know, event platforms. And so we've seen a huge actually increase in spending for virtual events. So uh, I found a couple of reports uh, on this data. Uh, there's a, uh, a report from uh, Statista um, that actually outlined there was about uh, depending on which type of event you looked at is a 20 to 25% decrease in in-person events, um, but a, almost a 40% increase in uh, spending for virtual events and virtual trade shows. So that's the piece that, um, you know, obviously, you know, we're all remote. You're going to see an increase in spend in virtual events. 
but the the ways companies have adopted and the innovation that has come out of it has been you know really surprising and, and promising to me. So uh, certainly, I think we would say that prediction was was accurate that the total spend went down, um, but uh, I think not as much as I I thought uh, that it would. It's not obviously as expensive to have a virtual event, but the volume of events, the number of companies that historically would have in-person events, uh, we're able to shift and, and go into you know, in-person events. Um, the other uh, prediction from you know, 2021 prediction um, that I wanted to review was uh, the increased spend on, on digital. So again, kind of an easy one to, to predict. We've seen this trend happen year over year that more companies, um, you know, and obviously this being a, a B2B podcast, um, it's, it's sometimes easy to follow the trend of what you see on B2C and big you know, brands, companies are dumping money into digital. Um, so if you look at that and you say, hey, you know, do I want to, if it was a stock you would buy, right? Would you buy traditional marketing or, or digital marketing? It'd, it'd be pretty easy to say, hey, we're going to go all in on, on digital marketing. And that's what we've seen companies do and brands do. And we've seen that shift in, uh, in the B2B space as well. So I looked up a couple of stats um, just to kind of see where we're at and how big of that, in, how big that increase was. Um, so actually in 2020, global um, estimates, at least of, of global, global digital ad spend uh, was about 378 billion. That was in 2020. Uh, in 2021, uh, there was a huge jump to 455 billion in global ad spend. Um, so that's a, a pretty big increase in just a one year time, uh, especially if you look at, you know, percentages, obviously we're going from, you know, almost 380 billion to 300 or to 460 billion is a, is a big jump. Um, if you look at how that ad spend is allocated, uh, Google and Facebook, um, you know, to no real surprise, there is about almost 30% of that global ad spend. So, Google and Facebook accounts for actually 28% of brands uh, ad spend, uh, which is which is huge. Uh, I mean, that's by far the the two leading categories. Amazon was actually the third, uh, with only about two or three percent. Um, so, making up you know nearly 30% of that uh, between those two platforms is is massive. Um, the biggest surprise to me, or I guess not necessarily a surprise, but indicator of where the that ad spend is is flowing and where that cash is flowing uh when i mentioned that increase from 20 to 2020 to 2021 uh 65 of that growth went directly to google and facebook so you look at you know hey if we're spending a hundred dollars we want to increase that to, to two hundred dollars uh you know almost 70 percent of that you know 70 of that of those hundred dollar increase uh went to those two platforms so uh, not a lot of experimenting with other platforms. Uh, a lot of companies are just strictly doubling down their investments into Google and, and Facebook as the primary ad platforms uh, from 2020 to 2021. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is even with all that increase, um, Facebook apparently in their Q3, uh, Q3 earning reports, they were kind of fell behind on their <laughs> expectations. So that's sure. just crazy how much more they were expecting the spend would be with their platform. Yeah. Yeah. And every year, you know, you got to move the needle and, you know, get, get a little bit uh, higher on that, that ladder. It seems like all of these companies got to keep pushing the limits. And so uh, don't expect your, you know, your, your ad budgets or your cost per clicks or cost per, you know, CPM 
to decrease, right? If, like you said, if all of these companies are trying to hit their hit their earnings marks and these massive predictions that they have in terms of um, you know where they think their revenue is going to be a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, um, we're going to be the ones paying for it, right? <laughs> it's true. All right. So um, I think again, you know, in terms of our 2021 predictions, um, a year ago, if you want to go listen to that podcast, I think there were some good predictions. I think a lot of them did did come true. Um, and I think some of those trends, uh, you know, maybe if they haven't come true yet, um, they're, they're trending in that direction. But I thought those two points were a, a bit interesting in those stats that we found. So let's jump into our 2022 predictions. Sam, I'll let you start. Um, we, each, we each came up with five predictions. Um, again, maybe these are aggressive uh, points of view. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're inevitable. But uh, let's dive into what you think uh, the trends in marketing are going to be uh, next year, over the next year. Yeah, most certainly. So I think the, the first one to begin is probably no surprise to most people as well. I think we've been seeing this to be the trend where companies are willing to invest more and more into technology. So if we looked mm -hmm. at in the last maybe 10 years, you know, CRM was not a thing and came in, became a thing and marketing automation was not a thing and became a thing. And now sales enablement was a thing in the last two, three years. So you're seeing, you know, technology being adapted, right? I mean, you're seeing massive massive acquisitions by companies like um, Salesforce buying Slack for what is $17 billion. All these sort of technology that's actually enabling uh, communication, marketing, uh, sales enablement, all of those things. So I think the entire spend uh, and adoption of these technologies is going to go um, much higher uh, in 2022. And I think the part of it is actually is kind of pushed um, you know, is being influenced by the hybrid business, um, you know, working model, right? People working remotely, they're having to invest in technology that enable them to do things uh, much more efficiently, uh, being able to communicate efficiently internally, uh, and also just to do more things um, efficiently. So I think the, the MarTech investment is going to be extremely high. And part of the reason I think it is, if you look at the entire, I was reading a little bit about the technology adoption uh, um, bell curve. So you have a lot of the innovators that actually adopt the technology very early on. Then you have the early adopters that comes right, right after that. But then the majority usually kind of falls in that big, uh, right in the bell curve in the middle. Um, that, that audience is probably going to be the ones that are starting to invest into uh, technology more. So there's a lot more people that are going to be out there that's well-suited for adapting some of these technology. And if you just look at the U.S. statistics of total number of businesses, I think the Business Journal reported that there's over 32.5 million businesses in the U.S. And you look at some of the top cost, you know, top MarTech product companies, right? You look at the Salesforce of the world or HubSpot. I think HubSpot reported that they have 100,000 uh, customers. Um, that's only what what percentage of the 32 million is 100,000 is very small, right? So if you think about how much more is the the addressable market for companies like HubSpot and Mark, um, HubSpot and Pardot and Salesforce and all those different companies. That's why you're seeing a lot more sales tools are coming into the marketplace because they are realizing that how big is that addressable market. So mm -hmm. I think overall, the technology investment in companies are going to go up and you're going to see a lot more MarTech companies coming up as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's interesting about that trend, um, I think this happens in, in every space, right? It's like you see a lot of specialized tools come out the market gets flooded is so many tools. Then there's a lot of acquisition and cannibalization that happens. And then there's a need, a huge need for integrations and integration partners because we have all these tools and let them talk to each other. 
Um, and then some sort of consolidation happens. And I feel like we're, we're kind of at that place with marketing. Um, whereas, you know, you look at, you mentioned HubSpot as an example, you know, they've, they've made that shift right of like, I think if you probably went to their website, they, it doesn't say, you know, their marketing software, marketing automation software, it's, you know, they're built building around a CRM. Um, and so there's, you know, as we, as marketers really figuring out what's going on, there's been a push for years on marketing and sales alignment. Uh, I think companies are restructuring their departments, all these kind of things. So I, I would venture to say that, um, the MarTech space might shrink in terms of number of unique technologies, because I think that tech stack grows. And like I said, it's hard for those integrations and everything to kind of work together and it becomes way too much and way too expensive. And I think that consolidation, the spend may increase, right? More companies are going to see a need for marketing technology. Um, but I think it's going to be cross departmental and I think it's going to be, um, uh, I think it's going to be a platform, you know, more all-in-one solutions that kind of talk to each other. Um, and that you see that a lot, what you see with, you know, what you mentioned, you know, Pardot and Marketo and, you know, Eloqua. And you see all these companies are acquiring these marketing technologies to try to figure out how do we fit these into CRM, ERP system. You know, we want to have a single source of truth and want to have these tools that all talk and work together uh, across departments. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of spend on marketing technology and marketing technology integrations and innovations um, is where that, where that trend will go. So I agree with that. Yeah. And I think my next one, if I can go to my second prediction, I sure. think the AI and predictive analytics is going to take center stage because I think what we're also seeing with all this technology adoption, you just have so much data available. But what I think we're lacking today is just how to, you know, having real insights taken out of the data, right? And most of the time you're just creating dashboards and reports and trying to make sense of it. Uh, you're starting to see a more and more technology that's actually providing insights to marketers and sales leaders and business in general on what actions they can take, right? So using predictive analytics or even just AI-driven campaign recommendation, things like that. So you're seeing more and more push from even Google ads itself. Like they have auto automatic bidding, they have automatic campaigns. Um, you know, you basically have, you know, responsive ads where you just create a bunch of different ad, ad text and it automatically picks the best winning ad text. Uh, you're seeing that with a lot of other um, companies that are actually coming into the place that are managing just creatives, uh, creatives alone. So looking at the best performing creatives and then, you know, whatever the winning ad uh, gets to be placed um, and investing more of the ad budget based on the performance of a specific creative. All of that is starting to come into um, coming into market, and then you're also going to see the same thing happening in even marketing campaigns uh, when you're trying to do like let's say an email campaign, starting to recommend titles or subject lines and things like that. Um, and I think that that's going to have a center stage even in the sales as well, right? So it's going to tell you the best time of the day to send an email, outreach, yeah. the best time to call a prospect, um, you know, and the likelihood of closing a deal based on how long they've been in the sales funnel. Uh, maybe even giving you recommendations on how many activities you need to be performing at, at every day so you can actually reach your revenue targets. All sorts of predictions and um, AI-driven recommendations, I think, is going to come because I know even we as a company are using, you know, the call recordings and things like that that provide insights on how long a rep is talking, what kind of, you know, filler words are we using, uh, what kind of pain points were brought up in you know, sales conversations. Those are just insights there, but actually not providing enough in recommendations on what I can do to fix my my rep or how I can improve my, our sales approach or process. So I think 
companies are really looking for ways to be better, right? And technology is going to do a lot in terms of helping uh, <clears throat> helping them accomplish those things. Yeah, yeah, and just like with you know the evolution of any technology, it's as it advances, it then becomes cheaper and more available for smaller brands, right? So uh, I agree, and you see that in more practical, um, you know, kind of tactical insights, like you said you know, A-B testing subject lines and the best time to send an email and like real-time feedback and data versus, you know, right now or, you know, maybe a couple of years ago where you had to be a big brand and have access to a Power BI or a Tableau or something along those lines and spend hours, you know, building these reports and then, you know, have a business analyst, you know, do research and predictive analytics and develop some sort of a strategy. It's like, okay, we have all this data, but we don't really know what it means, right? Um, I think it's going to be more tactical and more available. Um, and we're seeing that, like you said, um, in sales tools, marketing tools already. Um, so I, I certainly agree with that. It's going to, that trend uh, will continue and, and kind of trickle down to more small businesses as well. Yeah, I mean, that's an exciting thing for me as well, right? Especially a smaller organization, we don't have big departments. Or like you said, you don't have the luxury of having a business analyst just sitting there and looking at numbers and and making sense out of it and then making recommendations. So I think smaller organizations are gonna be the ones that are probably gonna have a big impact um, yeah. by just having those sort of technology. Right, the, and the technology companies themselves have to figure it out, right? The marketing tools um, like a HubSpot or a, a Pardot, they have to figure it out. The CRM tools have to figure it out, build it in. We see it with ad platforms, obviously, right? That The more advanced algorithms that deliver you know, have better deliverability to that audience and have better results in terms of cost per lead or whatever that may be. Those are where the ad spend goes. We just talked about, you know, Google and, and Facebook getting the majority of that ad spend. It's because their ads are performing the best because of those, you know, predictive analytics of who to serve the ad to, when to serve it to them uh, and those kind of things. So uh, that's the advantage of, again, the advancements of technologies by those big companies. It's going to ultimately trickle down and, and impact you know, us you know, small businesses. Yeah, most certainly. I think the my third prediction is mostly around revenue operation. I know we've been hearing this mm -hmm. term a lot talked in the technology sector, more and more SaaS and technology enabled companies are talking a lot about it. But I think overall growth oriented companies are going to start investing into revenue operation as a function within a, within a company. Something that kind of unites the sales team, the marketing team, and even the operations team all together, providing um support right to make the revenue as a revenue operation as a key function what i mean by that is i think there's you know there's a lot of efforts on you know buying tech, uh, technology for crm right for the sales team and then marketing automation and you also have the customer service and maybe even on the operations right. on the erp there's a lot of uh, stuff happening but you need a unified centralized place to to manage all of those things and figuring out how do we make get the most out of all of our efforts so focus would be customer acquisition and figuring out you know, can we sell more to our existing customers and uh, figuring those things out? Or can we uh, lower our cost of acquisition? Can we make our salespeople more efficient? Can we um, lower our total marketing investment? All of those things are uh, ways that the revenue operation function can really help an organization. So I think from that perspective, revenue operation will um, take a center stage in organizations and growth-oriented companies will start investing into an entire department. Absolutely. We've seen that in the companies that are are 
are doing really well and the companies that are winning have already adapted that. Uh, we talked about this for years, right? Everyone talks about that marketing and sales alignment. I think um, the structuring of the organization, starting with that idea of, you know, marketing and sales falling under RevOps, working towards, you know, one goal, which is revenue, uh, is a step in the right direction. I think uh, is great for both sales and marketing departments. Yeah. And then my fourth prediction is more around uh, interactive content. I think we all seen, you know, an increase in the amount of content being produced. And with the advent of um, marketing automation and things like that, you, you have the ability to create so much content and you have the ability to distribute that content at different time point, you know, time period based on who's at what stage of the buying process and all of those things. But in, even with all of that, you know, I think we're, there's so much human intervention involved in trying to guess that, oh, maybe after the third, you know, third form fill, I should probably invite them to a webinar or send them an ebook or, oh, if they're doing these activities, then maybe send them an email to get them to go book a demo. All of those things are, um, again, us just assuming things, uh, but not really aligning our marketing and content creation uh, to match the demand of a uh, customer. So from that perspective, I think interactive content uh, platforms are going to take center stage in my perspective, because if somebody's on the website, give them the opportunity to go find what they need and uh, and give them interactive content. But what I mean by that is maybe interactive calculators or interactive product you know product um, builders or even um, basically product configurators, maybe virtual design centers, all sorts of things like that that you can make available that are interactive to keep the prospect um, engaged and also to help them find what they're looking for and not wait on marketing to automatically send them something or marketing to lead them to a blog post or something like that. Um, and right. I think we're also seeing this this trend of people running away from forms, right? Like the the form, the you know, gating everything. That concept is actually is not becoming very popular anymore, right? People don't like being you know gated content or wanting to wanting having to fill out a form to get anything, right? They just don't like that concept. So by having interactive content, you can actually lead them and you can continue to engage with them. And then hopefully, you know, they will naturally go, go to the next step of, that, step of that buyer journey and fill out a form or whatever the case might be. So I think that concept is um, is going to see a big increase. Um, you have so many platforms coming into the place, like Uber yeah. sort of being one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that idea um, is, is not new, but I definitely see that trend continuing in terms of, uh, you know, we talk about it, right? Funnel versus flywheel and becoming more customer centric. And you hit the nail on the head in terms of uh, there's so much data out there that your customers now are, they don't want to be in your funnel, right? So if you're not going to be the ones to provide that information, they're going to go somewhere else. So your competitor is going to provide that information. So earlier that you can recognize that and understand that uh, for whatever industry you're in and be the one to, to create that content in all the different formats, like you said, interactive kind of uh, providing a unique experience and allowing the user on your site or wherever they're at. I mean, part of it is even, you know, being truly customer centric is don't try to force people to your website if they're not on your website, right? If you have content that you're sharing on social media, like the goal shouldn't just be drive people to your website. If you have content that's on, you know, YouTube, it's a video that's, that's literally created so that someone not searching on YouTube can find an answer to or find a solution to whatever they're looking for. And you can display and articulate that message in a video. Why do you need to send them to your website? Right? So like truly being customer centric is giving that unique experience and allowing the user to take their own path uh, in a way that 
educates them and moves them along, you know, in that sales process essentially, but into the point where when they're ready to buy, they, they, then they come to you. Right. So, um, I agree with that. And I think it's not just, you know, on the website, I think it's across all your marketing. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified or Maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, all right? Business go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right, so thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. And I think my last one is, you know, I think we've been seeing this number thrown around a lot. I think it was back in the day, Series Decision now, you know, um, I think Series Decision was acquired by uh, Gartner. Uh, but essentially, there was a number that 67% of the buyer's journey is completed before a buyer ever reaches out to a salesperson. But uh, that might be even much larger today. And I think uh, in the coming years, and specifically in 2022, marketing is is going to own more of that customer journey and going to reach the customer even way before uh, they're even thinking, right? Especially when we're talking about AI-driven marketing campaigns and you know, um, technology is able to uh, create custom audience and, and and being able to serve up ads in the right time to the right audience and the right platform. All of those things means marketing is going to own more and more of that customer journey. Uh, and I think that is here to stay. Uh, and I think the the big trend that the the se- senior leaders need to understand is starting to un- uh, start to measure marketing according to that sort of a customer journey. So if you're reaching customer way early in the buying journey, that means they probably are not ready to make purchase decisions. So you need to start start measuring things so slightly different than always with yep. performance in mind of, you know, hey, how much is our cost per lead? How come our cost per lead has gone up or our why our volume of lead hasn't increased? All of those sort of questions may need to be, um, may, shouldn't take the center stage, right? You should be asking like, hey, how's our brand engagement? Is our sales volume improved? Um, is our close ratio has improved? Are we seeing the sales velocity uh, increased, right? All of those kind of metrics should be taken into account and not just like, oh, our cost per lead has gone up. Like you just said earlier, you know, uh, from our last year's prediction where the spend has gone up, right? These platforms are getting inundated with ad, ad spend, which means that demand is increasing. That means that it's inevitable that the cost of uh, advertising on these platforms are only going to go up. So you couldn't compare last year's cost per lead and saying, hey, why is our cost per lead is not the same as last year? Right. And why is our uh, our lead volume has dropped? Of course, there's more advertisers yeah. kind of spending the same amount of money. But marketing is still going to own more of the customer journey. And we just as leaders need to understand that and make sure that we're not measuring all of the marketing metrics in the same way we've done in the past. Yep. hundred percent agree. Um, yeah. With with all of those predictions. And uh, like I said, I think a lot of those are kind of already trending 
in this in this direction. I think there's no reason that it's going to slow down. I think it's just going to compound uh, in 2022. So great predictions. I can't wait till next year to see <laughs> uh, if we were correct on those. Um, yes. So I also have a couple of predictions here. Um, the first one um, maybe is a, a bit of a stretch, um, but again, I like to think kind of outside the box uh, on an exercise like this. But uh, first prediction for 2022 is that a new um, a new ad platform or social media will will arise. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, we just looked at those stats of, you know, seventy percent of the growth in ad spend went directly to to Google and to Facebook. Um, you know, with with any platform that you see, whenever there's a, a surplus of content, a surplus of advertisers, um, you know, the the supply, so to speak, isn't necessarily increasing. The number of you know users on Google, the number of users on Facebook, don't have those stats offhand. But if you just think, you know, realistically, like people have known, people use Google, right? I mean, they've always used Google. I don't, unless I mean, more people are getting access to internet, sure. Um, but if we look at, you know, what we're talking about, our audience, U.S.-based B2B, you know, organizations, um, the user base of those two platforms is not necessarily growing. However, the the ad spend, the advertisers is drastically increasing. Um, and I just think it's time for for something else to to come up. Um, I mean, we we talk about this all the time in terms of trends with you know, let's say organic search, right? It used to be a lot easier to to rank for any topic, you know, that's out there because there wasn't as many results. And now pretty much anything you search online, I mean, there's millions and millions of results that that show up. But we talked about last year in some of our, and two years ago, our, our predictions was about you know, the growth of podcasts. Um, and we saw from 2018, there was only 500,000 podcasts. Um, 2020, there was 34 million episodes and 1.5 million podcasts. So, I mean, it's like there's these platforms are growing like crazy. And I think we're, we're really in a position where there could be another platform that could come up and it could be an existing platform. I mean, I don't know, it could be something, a TikTok, a, a LinkedIn, uh, even I think LinkedIn is still underutilized in the B2B space. And if there's a couple of shifts, uh, in maybe how the platform is used, if there's a big, increase in, like I said, supply, meaning uh, more and more uh, B2B professionals start using LinkedIn uh, more often and they can fix and change the way that their advertising uh, parameters and, and capabilities are set up. It's somewhere near the the ability that, that Facebook has. Uh, I think they're, you know, they're ripe for some, some crazy growth from that perspective. So um, my first prediction, yeah, maybe is a little bit of a stretch. Maybe it doesn't happen for two, three years, but, um, the way that the world works now, um, you know, these, these platforms are popping up out of nowhere. So, uh, that's my first prediction. Yeah. I think the diminishing return on ad spend on some of these platforms also is probably forcing other platforms to have an opportunity to, to shine. And I think mm -hmm. what you said about LinkedIn too, I think LinkedIn is experimenting with this whole concept of creator profiles where you don't have to invite somebody to connect you can follow a person. Uh, and you have all sorts of, right, like you have the video, multiple videos, you have the live uh, live video options. They're experimenting with a bunch of different things that I'm seeing as well. So I think, like you said, it could be LinkedIn just kind of try to fill the void or somebody else could come in and just, you know, eat up some of the market share that um, some of these other platforms I've been enjoying for a while. Right. Absolutely. Um, so my second prediction is um, similar to what you're saying about, you know, RevOps and departmental changes that are going to happen 
I think there's going to be a huge shift in the CMO position in particular. Uh, we work with a lot of uh, CMOs, right? We work with a lot of director of marketing, VP of marketing, CMOs. Um, and in the B2B world in particular, um, I see a couple of things. One is I see a lot of basically singular, you know, departments, right? Where you're a CMO, uh, you know, is a, 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 a department of one, right? Or a department of five. And so it's a CMO in, in kind of title only and not doesn't truly have the, the resources that a CMO truly should have. There's one thing that I, I see, and I think that there's going to be a big shift in that in terms of marketing. Uh, a lot of companies hiring more marketing professionals, building out a true marketing department. Um, but the other thing that I see, the thing that we see all the time in the shift that I, I think is going to happen is um, that CMO position having more of a hands-on approach, uh, having more, it, it seems weird to say, but having more hands-on experience. Because if you look at, you know, probably the average age of a, a CMO, uh, the average, you know, experience level required to hire a CMO, um, you know, you see people that have been at, at a company or within a company in order to get promoted to that position for 10, 15, 20 years, or maybe they've been the CMO for 10 years. Uh, and again, the way that the industry and the landscape is changing and evolving, um, 10 years is a, a lifetime, right? In terms of marketing strategies and digital marketing. So uh, what, what I've seen is a lot of these CMOs are so far removed from what's happening on the ground floor. And it's no different than any other industry. I think it's just, you know, it's uh, really exponentially, uh, you know, that difference and that gap is huge. Uh, from a CMO today uh, versus, you know, the person who's actually running their Google ads account or running their social media ads account. Uh, and so there's a lot of kind of what I call surface level knowledge in that position of, yeah, we're going to invest into paid media or we're going to invest into social, or maybe they just lump everything together and like, Hey, our marketing strategy this year is, you know, to spend 30% on digital. Um, but not really knowing the, the details, um, in you know the ins and outs of how all of that works, I think that that can't stand much longer. I think CMO the level of knowledge that's going to be needed to to be a CMO specifically in terms of these digital strategies and campaigns um, is going to change. So I see a lot of companies kind of overhauling their marketing departments, starting with what it takes to to be the CMO and and how they want to structure their team. Yeah, and I think you know the smarter CMOs need to recognize that change in the industry and start to assemble the team that's needed to support that person right yep. to do the do their calling and their their you know their function within that organization uh, and to to make sure that they're protecting themselves right and also it's also getting out of the comfort zone a little bit as well because a lot of those CMOs that we know is like they've been doing the same thing over and over they right. they know it's safe to to do what, whatever right trade shows they know it's been safe and they know hey they have you know regular email marketing or paying the same directory every year or um, you know they have same SEO company or paid search company they've been working for, for five years. They have to start thinking a little bit differently and also you know willing to experiment and even starting to invest in technology and automation and things of that nature. It's going to be required um, if they want to keep the job or even if they want to continue to advance their career. Yeah, and it starts with brands and companies starting to understand and see the value of marketing. Once they see the value of that marketing, they'll understand the importance of having the right people in those marketing positions. Um, and importantly, unfortunately in the digital marketing world, I mean, there's no, uh, you know, accreditation, right? There's no like, uh, 
you know, accepted, generally accepted accreditation program of, you know, you're a senior level three, you know, marketer, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there's a lot of people that kind of fly under the under the radar or people that, you know, get by and get into these positions that don't necessarily have the Quality. expertise. And like you said, get a little bit complacent. And I think as companies, you know, as CEOs, as brands, as, you know, business leaders start to see what their competition is doing, seeing what is potential what's out there. They start experiencing some of that marketing that is working on them and, you know, inspiring them to work with other companies, other brands. Uh, they're going to double down on marketing. It's going to start with, you know, who they have as their VP of marketing, who they have as their CMO. Uh, so my third prediction uh, for 2022 um, is a little bit of a continuation on one of my predictions for 2021. Um, I, I mentioned in 2021 that I think brands are going to double down on video content. Um, I think we've seen a huge trend in video. I think video is more today is is easier to create than ever, right? We don't need a full video production company, um, not to to devalue you know companies that are out there producing high quality video, but it's just a lot more accessible for a lot of brands that couldn't afford video in the past. Uh, and so I, my prediction is that um, you know video and specifically short form video uh, is going to remain a top priority for B two B organizations. I think. Um, again, if you look at our jobs as marketers is to, you know, educate and inspire our potential audience. Right. Um, and there's really no better way right now that we have to educate someone on a topic than a very well produced and thought out video. Um, and again, it doesn't take a lot to create a very well produced and thought out video. So, um, I think the way that we are as consumers, you know, we talk about all these like attention spans are, are down. Um, I don't know if necessarily that's true. I think if it's the right content, people will watch. I mean, you see people as consumers, we sit there and watch, you know, eight series, eight, eight seasons of a series on Netflix or something like that. So, or listen to a three hour podcast or whatever it is. So I don't necessarily know that attention spans are down, but I think if given the option of reading a 2000 word blog article, um, that, you know, we don't know if we're ever going to get to what we're looking for, but listening to, or watching a short form video that articulates that message or a series of quick videos where you can go to the right chapter or whatever it may be. Um, I think it's just, there's just better ways to articulate your message today. And I think video is one of those. And so I'm going to see a huge shift in, in brands investing into their own video content. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more because I think, like you said, I, <clears throat> the cost of video production has gone down and then also the accessibility to all sort of technology that enables you to quickly edit videos and publish them much faster, right? So that I think is giving them the op- uh, opportunity to be able to create such more video. And then also the demand for a video also has gone up, right? So people are preferring that medium over reading. And I even, for me, I make Siri read me long articles and just I listen to it as opposed to sitting there and reading it just because I'd <clears throat> rather hear it. So yeah. I think I think in that sense, uh, you're going to definitely see that continue to increase that trend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, video and audio content, um, I, I would almost put them in the same bucket, but I think even video just because of that visual component. And I think that combined with uh, this, you know, the way that we work today, right. In terms of uh, we're, we're at home, I think people are more uh, able to watch videos. Uh, I mean, you think about a commute, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, audio podcasts, those type of things would be something you maybe listen to in your car and your headphones while you're on, you know, public transportation, whatever it is. 
Um, but I think we have more, a little bit more time today. I think people have maybe a little bit more flexibility and freedom of the ability to, to feel like they could sit and watch a video rather than, you know, if their boss comes around the corner and see them watching a video, even though it is, you know, work related. I think there's, there's just more advantages today or more, uh, it's more time, I guess, maybe to, to actually sit there and, and watch the video. So I think video uh, is going to continue to be huge. Um, so my, uh, again, similar to that, along the same lines, my fourth prediction is that um, brands are going to, you know, we talked about that, that increase in digital spend. I don't, it's not that I don't think that digital spend is not going to increase, but I think there's going to be a big push for organic overpaid. Uh, again, if you look at where the competition is, you look at the trends, you look at what's happening. Um, you know, Google was supposed to get rid of cookies um, in third-party data and all these sorts of things. Um, but this year, now they've pushed it back to next year. Facebook's uh, targeting param or targeting capabilities have gone down. Pixel changes, you know, seven-day attribution window, all these kind of things. We're going to continue to see this push towards privacy. Uh, which is going to ultimately change the way that we as advertisers and marketers are able to target people. So you can no longer buy that audience, right? And maybe, you know, these companies are going to figure out a way to do it, right? We just talked about how many billions and billions of dollars uh, Google and Facebook are making. So I don't expect them by any means to roll over and, you know, wave the white flag and say, hey, you know, we can't, can't target people anymore. So it's just a blanket you know, ad campaign, I don't believe that's going to happen. But I think as marketers, we have to look at what variables we can control. Um, and what you can control is owning your own audience. So I, I think there's going to be a bigger shift into building your following on social media, build, building your email list, uh, building your subscribers on, uh, you know, YouTube and your podcasts. And the more you can control your own audience, which is ultimately should be the goal for, for all marketers in general, right? If you talk about building brand awareness, it's not about the ability to target someone on a social platform. It's about building brand affinity and building a following uh, in your industry. And so I think we're going to see that trend happening by kind of a, a default of those two reasons of, yes, we want to build brand awareness. Tracking attribution is becoming more difficult. Targeting is becoming more difficult we have to do something with this energy where we're building up. Like I just said, we're investing into video and audio and updating our websites. And you talked about, you know, predictive analytics and building all these different, you know, marketing tools and teams and resources internally. Um, we have to do something with that and investing into our own digital infrastructure, so to speak, in terms of your, your, your own shared and earned content, right? Everything outside of paid. Uh, I think there's going to be a bigger shift in that than we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think I've also seen—I uh, don't know—Facebook is not Meta, Meta, uh, Meta, right? But I'm—I'm—I've seen a big, big demand for these Facebook groups. People are creating their own Facebook groups, inviting people, sure. you know, their customers and prospective customers to those groups, uh, and then obviously leveraging that closed network to market to those individuals. I know LinkedIn hasn't really gotten that much, you know, that much of a, a demand for the, the the community and group on LinkedIn. But like you said, I think creating your own communities, whether it be on a social platform or finding technology that enables you to build that community, and then controlling your uh, your ability to reach that audience is definitely a, a trend that I think we can expect to see. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, my fifth and, and final prediction for 2022. Um, 
is, you know, in line with a couple of things we've already touched on, actually, you talked about, um, you know, that RevOps position I talked about, or the RevOps, you know, alignment, I talked about uh, the CMO and the position in the, the marketing department underneath the CMO. Uh, I think there's going to be a similar shift in focus in terms of that agency, that brand and agency relationship um, to more of a, what I would call like a hybrid agency model, right? Especially when it comes to, to small businesses, you know, small uh, B2B businesses. Um, I think there's been for a lot, you know, as digital has evolved, I think there's been this mindset of we don't understand it. So we're going to go find professionals that do understand it, which is great. Uh, we, uh, you know, we are those professionals that people are outsourcing this to. But the idea of of completely mailing in your marketing strategy, um, I don't think is effective in the same way that you wouldn't completely mail in your sales strategy, right? You wouldn't say, hey, we don't have a sales team. We're going to completely outsource this. Um, and you're someone's going to be responsible for every component of the sales. It, it's, you know, that's, you know, ridiculous for a company to even think about doing that for most companies. Uh, there's bits and pieces that people can outsource. Maybe that's, you know, cold outreach or, you know, whatever they call it, when they call appointment setting and SDRs, those kind of things. You bring in sales trainers, consultants, you bring in sales operations, Salesforce administrator, all those sorts of things. So there's a lot of need for that in the sales department. I think we're going to see a similar relationship in the marketing world where companies are going to build their own in-house marketing agencies. And they're going to bring on special specialists to help them build that those marketing departments, help train them. Um, again, marketing technology specialists, marketing operations. Um, there's specific things that probably still would be outsourced. You know, whether that's web development or specific. Uh, you know, we talk about SEO. I mean, there's there's as brands realize the value and how much work actually goes into a true and effective marketing strategy they're going to need more resources rather than less. And they're going to realize what we are trying to do with outsourcing with a small budget and expecting big results. That's going to change. We're going to build a marketing house, marketing team in-house, but we also realize we can't do that all on our own. So you see this in, in bigger brands, B2C, you know, brands, you see, this has always been the way, you know, you talk about, we have a creative agency or agency of record. It's always been the process. You have a marketing team internally, but you also have an agency that comes in, Almost every department has that, right? Uh, whether you're could be in, you know, engineering, IT, um, you know, sales. You're almost always working with third-party, um, independent, you know, consultants, agencies, whatever the word is. Um, and I think marketing has been a little bit slow to adopt that. And I think there's going to be a big shift in that for, you know, again, SMB type uh, companies over the next year or so. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, um, if you've made it through, we're about an hour in. If you made it through the whole whole podcast here, um, if you agree, disagree, if there's any other predictions you have, we'd love to hear your predictions. Uh, send them in. Um, uh, we can talk about them uh, maybe on our next podcast or, uh, of course, uh, looking at next year and see if we have any uh, user submitted uh, predictions that have, have come true. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, as always, if you enjoyed the podcast, Give us a like, subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, tune in next week for a new episode. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you could do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, 
share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight All right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers. Head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that could help you become a growth marketer. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.